Welcome to RAGE, the podcast of the University of Denver's Interdisciplinary Research Institute for the Study of Inequality, or IRISE for short. I am the show's host, Tom Romero, and I'm a professor of law and history here at DU, as well as IRISE's director. RAGE explores the risks and rewards of being a critical race scholar in higher education. In an era of black lives, dreamers, the Flint water crisis, Standing Rock, and a vigorous backlash against these movements, everyone is seemingly talking about race. Critical scholarship and public engagement by race scholars in op-eds, blogs, and essays have often been front and center in these formulations, as has been a resulting backlash or failure to critically engage with some of these insights. In higher education, we have either taken for granted or ignored altogether the emotional, professional, and even physical risks being undertaken by race scholars. Though race scholars have been doing important and insightful scholarship, research, and creative works for decades, their work has really led to any revolutionary change in our campuses or the communities that we serve. Instead, the work of race scholars has often been marginalized and silenced while policies, practices, and discourses of colorblindness and post-racialism have reigned supreme on our campuses and in our local politics. The result has often left race scholars silently raging at the intractability and inability of higher education and our large society for that matter to take racial privilege and anti-racist discourse seriously. For this episode, I'm here to talk about such issues with Professor Kevin Wilmot, Professor of Film and Media Studies at the University of Kansas. For our non-academic listeners, many, many of you may know Professor Wilmot as a screenwriter, producer, and director, working with the likes of Oliver Stone, Martin Sheen, Whoopi Goldberg, Wes Studi, and most in the news lately, Spike Lee. Indeed, Professor Wilmot recently received an Academy Award in the Adapted Screenplay category for co-writing the Spike Lee joint the Black Klansman. That film is going to be screened at the University of Denver, preceded by a lecture by Professor Roma about the intersection of film, race, democracy, and the resurgence of hate. Professor Wilmot, Kevin, um, how are you doing today? Good, good. Uh, it's great to be in Denver. Well, it's great to have you here. Um, I know in Colorado, the, the, the weather can throw all sorts of crazy things hey, at you. So. you know. It's a, it's a beautiful day, though. It's, uh, it's snowing, but it's, it's quite pretty. Well, it's, it's beautiful when you get a great conversation with people. Yes, indeed. So, so yes, really indeed. appreciate you taking the time and, and uh, coming out some time to talk with us. Um, yeah, I'm hoping that uh, you'd be able to share with us your journey to becoming a professor at the University of Kansas. Um, well, um, you know, it's kind of, kind of a, you know, I didn't really set out to, to be in academia. Um, you know, I, my goal was always to be a filmmaker, really. And... Um, and so, being a filmmaker, I just really had made my first film, Ninth Street, and um, and I moved to Lawrence because um, you know Ninth Street, you know the story was set in Kansas, my hometown. I grew up in Kansas, and so um, I really moved back there to make my first film because when you make your first film, you you need a lot of help, you need a lot of support, and so you know you know you, you kind of have to go where people know you and your friends are and all those things. So I, so I picked Lawrence because the day after had been shot there. And so I, so I said, well, they got to know something about film yeah. there. <laughs> you know, they, they shot the big movie the day after there. Absolutely. And so, um, uh, and so I, when I moved my family there and um, made my first film, um, you know, got a lot of support. Got a lot, a lot of support. And, um, and, uh, and so really I was kind of decided to stay. Really, and uh, and so at that time, um, 
uh, friend of mine called me and said they're looking for someone to teach a class at KU. And um, and I said, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll teach a class, you know. And um, and then the class went really well. And they said we'd like to have you become full time. And I said, you know, it's, it's kind of a funny story because I, I you know, I knew so little about academia mm -hmm. that uh, you know I almost didn't take the job. And, and my, a buddy of mine said, are you crazy? That's a great job, man. You better take that job. And, um, and, and for me, it was like, um, you know, I, and I didn't really realize this going in because, again, I just knew so little about academia, um, you know, that I, I didn't want to. Um, I told him what, when, they, when they interviewed me, I said, well, I can give you one day a week. You know, and so, and 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 if I had known how great the job was, I'd have just said, "I'll teach you any day you want me to," right? <laughs> but um, but anyway, it, it worked out really great, and so I kind of stumbled into it. Uh, but um, and it's really helped me to kind of make my films, and uh, my colleagues have, they work on my films, and so it's been a it's been a great, and I and I love teaching. I you know I, I love you know. Um, sharing what knowledge I have with students, and, and I, I learned so much from them, and so it's been a great, great experience for me. That's great. I, I'm struck, and, and I find it is, it's something that um, some of our guests on this podcast have, have experienced, as my as an experience that I've had, is um, growing up in, the, in or, or teaching, ending up in an institution in the place that you grew up. Oh, yeah. And right. it, when you grow up, you have perceptions of what that institution is like right. that, that may or may not match reality, right? <laughs> right and yeah. I'm wondering if you might be able to share what, what those are like for you. I mean, growing up in Kansas, yeah. growing up in Lawrence, you know, and... Sure. And, and well, I didn't grow up or, in Lawrence, sorry, yeah. but, but, but I grew up in Kansas, Kansas yeah. and, and Lawrence always had the hip reputation. I mean, it's, you know, with all due respect to all of the other cities in Kansas, uh, Lawrence is the hip place, and, and it's the progressive city. And... Um, uh, you know, I love Kansas, but I don't know if I could live anywhere else, you know, yeah. to be honest with you. And um, uh, so I feel very fortunate that, that I kind of stumbled onto it. I mean, you know, the, the, I didn't know much about Lawrence growing up. Um, I remember, uh, you know, Jayhawk is our big mascot, you know, and, and when we were in grade school, I think we had a student teacher that was from KU, and we had to color the, the the mascot thing uh, and and I never in a million years would have thought that I would be you know working and there and you know kind of have such it, it'd be such a foundation of my life now so yeah. so no but I know what you're saying I mean you you especially when you li live in a hometown you kind of get to look behind the curtain when you work there yeah. and and you kind of get to see how the sausage is made and 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 it can be a little disappointing and um but um but you know most of the time um there's something true about the, the fact that you loved it and you were as a kid and that you you know that that it inspires you in various ways and so uh i don't think you can go anywhere without you know, being a little disappointed. Sure. You know, sure. when you get to see what's really going on. <laughs> <laughs> what age and experience exactly, gives yeah. a bit to you, right? Exactly, so, yes. Well, you know, I want to talk you know, both a little bit about, you know, your projects, the projects uh -huh. that, that when you went and you started to be a filmmaker, your first project, the projects you've been associated with at, 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 um, as you got connected to, to the University of Kansas. Sure. Um, 
as I, as I as I look at the, the sort of the impressive array of projects you've had, many of these are, either, are connected to either issues of race and or inequality. Right. Um, why did you choose these projects, and, and why not other projects? Sure. Well, you know, uh, uh, I think growing up, I grew up in a in this little small town, Junction City, but it was a really it was a really diverse city. It was an army town, and uh, and so you know, I tell people the street I grew up on. Um, you know, 20,000 people live in this town, but the Buffalo soldiers were stationed there. And so they went all over the world and they brought wives from all over the world back home, you know, to Kansas. And so my block, just one block in a small Kansas town, um, it's a white couple live next door to us. Cross Street was a black and Japanese family. Cross Street was a black family, black and Korean, black and Filipino, a black and Chinese, uh, black and Vietnamese, black and Italian. Uh, black and German. Uh, this is all on one block in a little small Kansas town. Wow. And and it really taught me that race doesn't matter. We were all, all kids, you know, trying to just have fun. But race does matter because, you know, uh, it's really important for you to know who you are and for you to be proud of who you are and to kind of connect with your identity. And, um, and at that time, um, the city didn't celebrate that diversity. It was it was ashamed of it, and it was and Junction City kind of had a bad reputation for a lot of things. But I think in the end, it was kind of also because it was so interracial, and uh, and and that to me was the thing that really kind of branded me. I think, and and I experienced discrimination growing up, and I I saw racism, and I've always been someone that kind of you know I guess my parents raised me right. I care about others a little bit. You know, and it's hard to see people being mistreated, um, and and not respond to that. I mean, the thing, I think the growing up the older guys in the neighborhood. I you know I, I grew up in the early '70s and late '60s, and I was a little kid then. But um, but I heard those conversations from the older guys in the neighborhood, and and at that time, you responded to the problem. I mean, there was no talking about the problem. It was just you talked about the problem, and then you responded to it. Sure. You, you acted. You did something. I mean, you know, you, you, you were, you know, growing up at that time, you were used to seeing people, you know, uh, be, be activists. And, and to Dr. King and, and, you know, the Bergen brothers and all the great people in the, in the 60s and 70s um, that tried to make it a better place. Yeah. And so... I think all of that had a big influence on, on me and, and, and the films I, I try to make. As you think about certainly the power of film and, and media, right, to, to connect to a larger audience um, and, and to really kind of deal with some of these tougher issues, right, of inclusion, of diversity, of oppression, of, right. of inequality, right. of racism. Sure. Um, particularly in the university context, have, have, have you gotten pushback from students, from colleagues, from alumni, and, and what does that look like and how have you responded to it? Sure, yeah. Well, um, you know, fortunately the students have never been an issue. I mean, you know, um, I don't think I've ever gotten a bad, you know, review or bad comment that clearly was someone that was upset about something I taught or said or something like that, you know. And I and I, I don't I don't hold anything back when I teach. I kind of let them let them know how I feel about things. Uh, so you know the fact that that I haven't been you know called to the carpet or something is 
is I think says a lot about students you know we get um, you know some of the movies I've made um, you know I mean you know within the context of the university um, I made a film called Jayhawkers and it's about Will Chamberlain when he was at KU and Will Chamberlain you know big basketball player kind of the first all-star major league you know basketball player to, to, to play for college and um, and Lawrence was segregated at the time, and KU was wasn't segregated, but it was segregated. Okay. You know, you know. And so, um, uh, big long story, but uh, one of the guys that was involved with the project, um, uh, I don't think he liked. This he was a guy that was had a big position in the sports legacy of the school, and he didn't like um, kind of. I think you know how I was doing it. And uh, and he tried to kind of throw a monkey wrench in me a little bit a few times, and he tried to um, he used his power to kind of um, you know c cancel out some of the support the school wanted to give me for the film, and um, that's been about the only direct kind of I mean you know obviously when I made CSA I got a lot of hate mail and you know a lot of ugly stuff but not through the university yeah. it was from the outside. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I think any time that you are kind of dealing with those issues, and, you, and especially, you know, even though the Jayhawkers film is about the 1950s and, you know, a long time ago, um, you know, you're, you're still kind of, you're dealing with people who have power from, for a long time. I mean, this guy's had power since the 50s in the community. And he's used to doing it his way, and he's used to having people to dictate to people, tell them what to do. And and I know part of it was, you know, the fact that I didn't do it the way he wanted me to do it. And uh, so, you know, the universities and institutions as a whole, the nuns taught me uh, that, um, you know, institutions are self-maintaining things, and they look out for themselves first. And and I always have remembered that, and so I don't, I, I don't try to be naive about you know institutions. I mean, I mean, good institutions, great institutions, but they kind of tend to. This is what the nuns taught me. <laughs> they tend to take care of themselves first. Yeah. And 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 you, you, folks, you know, that are dependent upon them sometimes get punished, yeah. and um, and so I think that was kind of those kind of minor kind of examples of that. But I, I feel like I've been very fortunate at KU that I've not, I've had huge support, really. And, and that was kind of an isolated kind of thing. And, and uh, but it was a, rhyme, a reminder of how institutions work. Absolutely. Well, and I think in particular, when you, when you do work that interrogates the institution, or even that it doesn't even right. interrogate the institution, puts the institution in the center, right? That's right. There's yeah. gonna be some good things and some bad some things. Some good things and bad things, that's right. And 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 you've gotta expect a little bit of, you know, you're gonna get some 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 pushback, yeah. you know. And and you know, in this line of work, um, you just really can't let that throw you at all. I mean, I, I want to pivot a bit to that, because you, you did mention in some of your other projects you've received some hate mail. Um, I know, I served, as I was preparing for this interview, uh, you did a recent interview in the Kansas City Star um, after coming home from the Academy Awards in which you, you were unapologetically critical of the president called him, quote, a sad example for America. 
I can imagine there's a little bit of blowback, or maybe that's just uh, representative, maybe of some larger sure. blowback tied to this or your other projects. And I'm curious, um, you know, how you've you've managed that? Because I mean, your work is is always public facing, right? right? right. And you right. know, outside of the institution, and yep. is, is commenting on these larger issues of of society. So how have you been able to to, to navigate that in in ways without being beaten down, I guess. <laughs> by, by yeah, you know, you know, somebody asked me, a friend of mine asked me that the other day, and um, and I don't know how I do it, to be honest with you. I mean, you know, uh, I think it might be from that time of growing up in, in that period that was a time when you didn't pull any punches. I mean, the 60s and the 70s, you know, you know at least the mid-70s, you know, people didn't pull punches then. I mean, they kind of, they confronted power, and they, they weren't afraid to confront power, and they weren't afraid to kind of speak the truth to power. Uh, and, um, and fortunately, I, I don't know, it might be the style in which I do it. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I think the fact that when you make films, um, and you, you're ultimately trying to entertain people, um, and I try, to, I try to, when I talk about these things, I... I I think about them before I say them. I don't just kind of spout stuff off, you know. I, um, you know, I, I don't mind offending the people that should be offended. I just that's just straight out. I don't mind doing that, and um, but I want to explain myself in a way that hopefully you understand what I'm talking about, and that part of it hopefully helps to navigate the the world of this stuff because. Especially now, I mean, people are just taking taken out of context all the time, you know, and and people are misunderstandings happen all the time, and um, I try to, and you can still be say something and and the and the and the quote be, you know, separated from what you said at the earlier part of the interview or something, you know what I mean, and 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 you could sometimes not sound as, you know, uh, sincere or whatever as you might want to sound. But I try not to push anybody away, you know. Um, you know, when you talk about um, the president or somebody like that, um, you know, those people in power. And, and in that sense, you don't have to give them um, that kind of respect. I mean, when people are in power, um, they're, they're affecting other people's lives. Right. And, and, and so... The thing where I grew up with was that, and kind of learned and believe that you have a responsibility to, to, to speak to power, yeah. and you have to have a responsibility to tell the truth to power, and um, and you hopefully you do it in a way that people understand what you're talking about. But um, that same technique is how we make our films as well. Yeah. I mean, we don't we don't pull any punches in our films, and the fact that something like Black Klansman. Um, you know, wins an Academy Award. Um, I think probably part of the reason it won is because we didn't pull any punches, because we spoke truth to power. And I think, fortunately, I mean, sometimes you're punished for it, sometimes you get hate mail for it, yeah. uh, and sometimes you're celebrated for it. And this is one of the times I think we were celebrated. The joke I always tell people is like, I think I'm the only person in the country. Spike and myself and a couple other guys that have benefited from Donald Trump's presidency. <laughs> you know, yeah. because no one asked me, do you really think it's that bad still? Yeah. No one asked that anymore. <laughs> Everybody knows it's that bad still. And 
so it's made it's made my work uh, a far more relevant because I've been trying. You know, we were always trying to say, "Hey, this is a problem," and uh, now everybody believes us. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's uh, thinking of the Black Klansman. I mean, this is the reason why you're here at the University of Denver. Sure, is, is to obviously we give giving a film screening and, and to have a Q and A, and you get to sort of talk more about the larger context of mm -hmm. it. If you were to come back here at the University of Denver a year from now, and uh, and having students screened or, and, and faculty and staff and sure. alumni who have screened this film, and given some of the insights that have come out of your, both your lecture and, and the Q&A, what would you hope, what would be the, the five takeaways that you would, would like to have seen um, you know, our, this community take from, from that film and your work? Well, I think Denver is a smart city, and it's got a lot of great stuff happening here, including what you're doing. Um, but I think, you know, what you hope as a whole is that um, one thing for me that I'm big on is not letting the history of things control own us that we start to own the history. And I think the fact that, that we should have saw this coming we should have saw the backlash that we're all being affected by now. We, sh we should have saw that coming. And I think we kind of got happy, you know, and we kind of took our eye off the prize and kind of, um, you know, weren't very vigilant. And in eight years of a black president should have told us there was going to be a backlash. And, I mean, the way even President Obama was treated when he was president should have told us there was a backlash. And, uh, and I think, you know, America, the great thing about America is that we, we say we believe in all these great things, um, but then you got to do a lot of work to make those things real. And what has happened is that we don't, we're not living the America, I think, that a lot of us thought we wanted to believe in. And so we're having to fight to regain that back then. And, um, and, you know, my film CSA has always kind of been the metaphor that I kind of believe in. I mean, there's the USA and there's the CSA. And there's always been these two Americas. And uh, right now we're living in the CSA. And, uh, and we're trying to get the USA back. And so my, my hope would be that, that, that folks here in Denver, you know, keep doing the, the things, the resisting that they're doing to to really identify these problems, uh, to educate folks about these problems, um, uh, to not give up hope, because it's, it's been really kind of a depressing time in a way, because I think, you know, you, you expect a response when you see outrageous, you know, horribly racist, you know, horribly, you know, just discriminatory, ugly stuff happening from the White House. And, and when you don't see a response, when there's no response to that, it's really demoralizing. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, you, you hope that, that, I know there's a lot of people here that are working to, to regain the USA. And, and, and so my hope would be that, you know, uh, that the things I'll say at the, at the lecture can ho hopefully kind of help identify and hopefully encourage that response. Great. Well, I have sort of two maybe questions to, and final questions to kind of build on that. Um, th the name of the podcast, this podcast is Rage, mm -hmm. right? Given your work, given your connection to the University of Kansas, your, uh, as a teacher, as a creative artist, um, all these sort of pieces, 
What does rage mean for you? <laughs> well, you know, <clears throat> um, rage is a good thing. You know, uh, you know the the term outrageous. That's outrageous. You know, and it you know when you take that and then you you take the rage part out of it, um, it's you know if you um, take the anger part of that's connected to rage and and outrageous. Uh, if you take the, if you take the anger part and you you put it through the filter of connecting it to something positive, you know, making a film, you know, you know, shaping a sculpture, a sculpture, painting a painting, you know, writing a book, you know, whatever it might be, um, then that rage can turn into um, the, the 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 serum, the medicine we need to cure the ill. That's what that's what you hope, and um, so for me, rage is a great thing. Um, uh, as a kid, I experienced rage. I was I'm hopefully going to make a, a new film here soon that deals with rage and deals with a riot that happened, you know, hundred years ago. Uh, but I was in a riot as a kid growing up, and uh, and I saw I didn't I didn't participate in it, but I saw how people can just lose themselves, just kind of just just break and just start grabbing people and trying to hurt them. And, and that kind of rage um, is just so destructive and so uh, against everything we try to believe in. And, and it's like Dr. King said, you know, a riot is the, um, is the language of the unheard. And so the fact that the riot happened because no one would listen, no one heard the, 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 the cries and the, the, the pain that people and the, the depression that people were going through. And um, so, so I, I connect rage with that. I connect rage with, you know, you've got you've to take that, that thing that you're angry about and then you've got to turn it inside out and hopefully make it go through something that something positive comes out of. Thank you. That, that's powerful. I like that Dr. King quote. Yeah, it's, 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 it's the quote about, 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 um, riots yeah. and about unrest. Well, I'm looking forward to that next project <laughs> when that comes out. Um, I want to bring you back. Sure. To, to, to <laughs> do some Q&A and yes, screen there too. Well, just last question, and, and this is kind of really your chance to, to maybe just um, wrap some things up. And sort of any final thoughts, reflections, or affirmations that you would like to share with our listeners um, for this episode? Sure. Well, you know, I think, you know, like I say, we've been talking about this, this is a a period of American history that um, you know is really unique in the sense that um, you know uh, you know it's unlike you know any other time time in our history. I think. I mean, you know, uh, I use that metaphor of the CSA, which really connects to Reconstruction and those kind of things. But there were reasons, kind of, for the backlash of that time because you know the slavery just ended and all those things. But the attack on, on immigrants, the attack on, um, on women and, and on just basic kind of common decency that's going on right now, um, you know, that's a challenge to us. And it's a reminder that America is only as great as, as we make it, you know. And you can't, you can't let the car drive itself. You know, you got you got to you got to grab the wheel, and you got to make sure the car doesn't run over folks. And um, and you know, I think that we all get tired, and and we 
we got tired and we kind of took our eye off the prize. And I think that's the real lesson of this period to me is that, you know, you know, I think the good people outnumber the bad people in this country. And, but when we let the bad people take the wheel, then a lot of innocent people get hurt. And that's what we're seeing right now. And we've got to make sure that we keep, you know, we're smart about how we're going to try to make the nation the country we want it to be, and, and a lot smarter than we've been before. Well, thank you. Thank, thank you for those thoughts. Thank you for sharing your story and your journey. And thank you for your time. Thanks, really brother. appreciate, appreciate it. it. You've reached the end of another episode of the Rage Prod Podcast brought to you by iRISE at the University of Denver. Connect with us at www.du.edu forward slash iRISE. While there, don't forget to sign up to our newsletter to hear about our initiative to create new pathways and partnerships to racial justice in Colorado and the Rocky Mountain West. Thank you.